This is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily, your go-to podcast for EPL news and action. But it's not about the Premier League today and the race to the top. It's about one man and his record-breaking goals in an England shirt. Last night, versus Italy, Harry Kane became England's all-time leading goalscorer. But does that automatically make him the best England striker of all time? That question answered on today's podcast, along with a look back at England's first step on qualification to Euro 2024 as they beat the Azzurri in Naples. We're also going to be taking a look ahead to Sunday night's highly emotional match versus Ukraine, who haven't played a game of football since Scotland halted their potential qualification to the World Cup in Qatar. To talk through all of that, Marley Anderson and Joel Tudor. You going to upset any particular fan bases today, Marley? Because you're ticking them off this season. It was Fulham this week. It was Nottingham Forest a couple of weeks ago. Who's on your hit list for today's podcast? Uh, probably it's the international break, but no one's uh, no one's quite safe, are they? Everyone's everyone's very sensitive <laughs> sometimes. That's that's all. The Fulham fans were. That's football fans. Oh my god, the Fulham fans. I don't know what they're on about. <laughs> well, you did. A, you, well, we won't, we won't unearth those uh, particular comments again. If you want to check out what Marley said to upset everyone, listen back to Monday's podcast and Marley's takedown of Mitrovic. Can't be trusted, I think, were his comments. But today, we're going to talk about international football. Normally on a Friday, it's a quick fire preview of the weekend's action. So we're going to keep it snappy today. This is perfect for a Friday. You can get the podcast, you can work out what's going on in the world of football. Ideal commuter fodder, get around your Friday. So let's start off with talking about last night. Italy versus England. And the big news was Harry Kane breaking Wayne Rooney's England goal-scoring record. He has become the Three Lions all-time record goal-scorer. But Marley, does this mean he can automatically claim to be England's best ever striker? Uh, it's a pretty strong argument, isn't it? <laughs> like, if you're, if you're ever going to go, I'm the best you better have something to back it up. And the all-time scoring record to, to back it up is pretty strong, really, yeah. Um, maybe. It's always going to be open to debate, isn't it? Um, you know, but, yeah, 54. Is it 54 now? 54 goals for England now is uh, mm-hmm. is some achievement, you know. Um, some people will probably not accept that as enough, because you know, international football, you can play the likes of Liechtenstein and San Marino and Lithuania and all these types of people, and then people say, "Oh, a lot of them have been penalties and stuff." So it's always going to be open to interpretation. But hmm. you know, the the record is going to be there, and it's another thing to fill his his little CV with. Um, not necessarily a trophy, but Harry Kane specialises in getting things that are almost trophies, but not quite trophies in his career. Goal scoring records, golden boots. Um, runners up medals <laughs> yeah everything except the winners medal so hopefully you can get one with uh, with England in Euro 2024 because it was a good start last night I do buy into the argument that international football now you do play San Marino and Liechtenstein whereas the likes of Jimmy Greaves who appear further down the list never had that opportunity international football was far more competitive back then but if you compare Wayne Ro- um, Harry Kane's achievements to Wayne Rooney or Michael Owen Joel you can see how he's in the goal scoring stakes. He is streets ahead and he's not done yet. He's 29, isn't he? So he's probably got another four, maybe five years at the top level. I think, well, for me anyway, the best way you can compare strikers or just players in general at international level is do they do it at the international tournaments or not? 
And I think with Rooney, he had that breakout one in Portugal in the 2004 one. And that was kind of it. We didn't really see much else of him in the big international mm. stage. And I think, was it Michael Owen who had the 2002 World Cup or 2000 Euros? Can't remember which one. I was only like three at the time. Against Argentina. At, at 98 even. Um, oh, yeah. What a yes. moment. So he, uh, he was, what, 18 at the time. And then after that, again, not much happened with him. Whereas with Kane, he's, he seems to have progressed and got stronger as each tournament has gone on. So he obviously got the uh, golden boot in the 2018 World Cup. Uh, started slowly in the Euros, just gone by, but then scored some vital goals against Germany and Denmark. And in the last World Cup, probably his lowest point in England shirt, I would say, in terms of you know the missing penalty. But he just seems like the top professional way. He'll be able to rebound from that. And he knows that England have got a great chance of going again in the next Euros. Um, but if you're going to compare generations, I mean, when you look at Rooney's generation and the teams he was playing, I think regardless, to score goals for your country at international level is so difficult, especially in these big tournaments where even, you know, Ronaldo and Messi, they started quite slowly in big tournaments. They've not had amazing tournaments until literally the ones that have just gone by where they win it. So it's not the easiest task to do. And I definitely think that if he can be the one who leads... England to the Euros next next year. Um, he cemented his status times ten. I don't think many strikers in future will ever be able to top that. I think there's an element of you, you talk about his professionalism that was on display last night. His professionalism and his mental strength in terms of stepping up to take that penalty. And and you could argue that's his job. He's a striker. He should be taking that penalty. But when it comes straight off the back of the penalty miss in the World Cup, and that's his first goal back, it's almost poetic. But at the same time, it kind of shows how professional he is as an individual. In terms of the game itself and in terms of England's qualification, I mean, I think as England fans, and this is one of the reasons I think we don't enjoy qualification, the qualification part of major tournaments is we take it for granted. It's boring because we assume we're going to get to those tournaments because we've done it so consistently for so long. But is there a potential banana skin that's being avoided here? Because Italy, they are still European champions. They potentially could have caused England some problems. It is, but I mean, when you look at the fact that this Italy side didn't even make it to the to the World Cup in the last one, it's hard to suggest. I know they are the European champions, but a lot's changed in that Italy side since that game. Where you know, when I looked at their back four, where it's usually a back three, it doesn't look as intimidating anymore. When you don't see Barzagli, Bonucci, Chiellini, even Buffon. Uh, to an extent it's all just completely new players now it feels like Italy are going through the same transitionary period as when England got knocked out of the Euros in 2016 and everything was in disarray and needed a whole new generation to come up and we saw that with for example Retige who scored his first goal for Italy last last night as well but I think for England it probably was best to play Italy right now at the first game because you always see the first fixtures just after a major tournament they're always very lacklustre where a lot of players pull out like we've seen in the England squad and a lot of other national teams it doesn't feel as committed as say in the last eight ga- uh, the last two games of a, a qualification round where you're really battling to make sure you finished top of your group and also the fact that uh, Italy have not been beaten in qualifiers since 2006 which shows you know they're pretty well sounded when it comes to just getting through the group stages and making it to every major tournament by the last one so I think it's a massive win especially on Italian soil as well which hadn't been done since the 1960s so I think all around uh, this team keeps breaking psychological barriers but the biggest one is to go all the way and that's the only one that matters really yeah 1961 was the last time England won in Italy so that's a monkey off their back in terms of 
the game itself, Marley. England well deserving of their 2-0 lead at half time, but then the second half performance just dropped off completely. Harry Maguire culpable for Italy's goal that got them back into it. Luke Shaw sent off for two yellow cards within 60 seconds, I think it was. Will the second half performance from England and that lack of concentration cause some alarm bells to be ringing? Um, it's, well, like you say, it's it's difficult England, isn't it? It's really hard to, or seems to be really hard for England to put a 90-minute performance together. There's always some sort of trepidation in there and some sort of mini collapse type of thing but yeah I think um, Maguire gets sort of uh, exposed for, for being too aggressive and trying to win the ball back and I don't think John Stones covers himself in glory either when the uh, the pass goes through to, to Retegui and it's um, you know it's pretty it's pretty poor defending from, from everyone really as England tried to play out from the back but I think in a game like that it's just about getting it's about getting over the line you know they played really well in the first half and they shouldn't really forget that so it's um it wouldn't worry me too much because you know like the those stats on there of it uh, England haven't beaten Italy in in Italy for god knows how long and in a in any match for uh, 1961 60, literally 30 seconds ago stadium, so uh yes yeah, it's, it's Friday and I don't care um <laughs> it's just about getting it done because we've proved that we we sort of bottled it against Italy in the Euros final. It's a much bigger game and much bigger occasion, different different game altogether. But but still, you know, it's it's about beating beating these teams. And even if, like Joel said, you know, they're in a transitionary period, and, and England mm. probably aren't. England are probably at the peak of their powers and and have to, and are as good as they can be. Um, but you've still got to put these. You've got to prove that on the pitch. You've got to still get the results that. Um, that prove that sort of thing. So it was a good win. Um, it's a it's not an easy qualification group. I I don't think. I think Italy and Ukraine have um, have potential. North Macedonia knocked Italy out of the World Cup qualifying. That's why they weren't there. Was that when in... Goran Pandev knocked them out? Was he still playing? Yeah, I think that was one of his last games. Yeah. Christ, uh, his hair. Not I've seen him. his hair go from here and pointing at my forehead to all the way back to his head. Like that's how long. It happens he's been to playing. everyone, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Jim's uh, Jim's going like that uh, every uh, every day goes by. His uh, hair hair goes even further back. But yeah, it's um it's not an easy group, really. I don't think. Um, so it's about uh, just getting the job done and getting over the line when you can. Let's talk quickly about that red card for Luke Shaw. Two yellow cards to make the red, Joel. Normally a negative a sending off. Manchester United fans, of which you are one, kind of celebrating the fact he got sent off. So is it good news from a United point of view? But also, do you think he deserved his marching orders? Yeah, I hope Bruno Fernandes and a few more start doing things like that because we could <laughs> do with a few breaks for our players. They've been playing ridiculous amount of games. I think Bruno Fernandes has played the most games of any player in the world so far, which is an insane stat. Yeah, it was deserved. It was a little bit reckless. And when you're playing you know, in Italy, for example, you know that the referees have got zero tolerance, zero patience. And if you start touching their players, they will get card happy and send you off. So... It, it was deserved. It was in a time of the game as well, which was a little bit tentative, where Italy was starting to grow back into it. So they defended well after that. But I think it just gives a lot of chance for other players to come in. It could mean that Trippier goes to left back in the next game. It could mean that Chilwell fills in the role. So we've got two solid good left backs, which we didn't really have at the, uh, in the World Cup. It was almost a little bit makeshift in the way in which Southgate kept changing around. But yeah, I definitely see a lot of rotation. It was definitely deserved. And I think it just gives him a great rest, which I am massively happy with. 
We'll talk about that game against Ukraine shortly. It's at Wembley on Sunday. We'll get onto it next on Football Social Daily. If Marley has said anything that upset you over the last 10 minutes, then don't get us on Twitter. Don't whinge about it there. Make sure you whinge about it in a review. Give us five stars, but then have a proper pop at Marley in the text underneath, and we'll make sure we read it out on the this, podcast. Get this involved, is bizarre, do that. <laughs> Wait, do you know what? You can leave a review about anything. We love to hear your comments on the podcast. So if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, whoever it is, get involved. Let us know what you think and we'll try and give you a shout out on the next podcast but we are going to talk about Ukraine versus England next on Football Social Daily Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We are 50% way through the international break and 50% way through the podcast as well. We've covered off last night's Italy versus England game, but next up it's Ukraine at Wembley Stadium. That is on Sunday. Now, it is six months since Ukraine last played a game of football. That was the defeat to Scotland that meant they weren't able to go to the World Cup in Qatar, the kind of playoff game that would have seen them get there. Is it going to be hard for them to get up for this game, Marley, with that massive gap between the last game of international football and this game against England? You would think so. With the um, the non-footballing issues that are going on with Ukraine, is it's not mm. it's not their priority, is it? You know, I know it's it's completely different. It doesn't um, have a, a direct effect on on football, but they haven't played for six months. You know, there's there's going to be a lot of um, uh, sort of things going on at, at Wembley like to commemorate like to remember the the yeah. Ukrainian you know what what the Ukrainian people are going through right now and all that sort of stuff so See, I've, I've heard some people saying it'll be motivating and the fact that they'll want to kind of do it on the pitch and prove themselves but I think in my view I think that period's kind of that period's kind of mm-hmm. gone now and actually probably those Ukrainian players are kind of feeling tired and distracted rather than maybe fired up now. maybe we'll have to have to wait and see with the performance you'll you'll find out in the first sort of half an hour won't you um whether which way mm. that's uh what which way that sort of thing has, has swung um but yeah it's you know that they're they've got bigger things on but they have to look at, at england's result last night and say right it's literally the ones we can we can potentially catch if if you assume you lose to england twice you know you get the you get the sort of sharpness back by playing England and then you take that into the Italy game because it's going to come down to if England win the group it's going to be Ukraine and Italy scrapping it out for second you would say um, so you know they, they've got to probably use that and say well Italy have prior form as in the World Cup qualifying to to make a mess of this um, and we've got to be there and be there about to take take advantage when they uh, when they slip up and you know beat North Macedonia and beat, beat the other teams in the in the group as well, if they can take a point against England mm. somehow, that that's huge for them. So, it's um, even though the group's got like five or six teams in it, whatever it is, you know, it always comes down to the, like two games against the top the top sides. If you win, if you lose those two games against top sides, you finish ten points behind them in the standings. It's yeah. It, it's part of the nonsense of qualifying and the way it works at the moment. You've got your whipping boys down at the bottom. You've got your strong team. So it's like the competition tends to be for like the second qualifying place, and that's exactly, what you're competing yeah, that's, for. That's what you've got to. It's, it's a bit like anything, like a bit like Champions League group, where Champions League groups as well, where mm. you say right, the, the team in pot A, Real Madrid, or something like that, is like right, we're going to lose to them probably. So who's in that second pot? If you're a team in pot three, for example, and you're like Benfica, 
you're you're looking at who's coming out of pot two, and if it's like somebody, sort of, like, Arsenal, you're like, all right, well, maybe we can have them and, and overtake them in in that in those games against the, against each other. They're the ones you've 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 got to target. So we'll see if Ukraine can do because there's talent in that squad. It's just uh, whether they're sharp enough and and good enough to to get something. Well, let's talk about the talent, Joel, because. They'll probably have the hunger, or no doubt they'll have the hunger to win in this game. They'll be looking, as Marley says, as qualification as a whole. It's not all on this game. It's early days in terms of the qualification period for the Euros. But do Ukraine have the quality to cause England some issues? Well, like you say, it's been six months since they last played. I think they, it was the game against Wales in the playoffs. Um, and I remember that was a super emotionally charged game. And then obviously after that, it just felt completely silent and I think for any national team to not play together for six months is gonna you're gonna pay the price massively because in that time mm. period there'll be players who've dropped off, there'll be players who are coming in, there'll be new players who've suddenly come to light. One namely being uh, Mudrik, who's probably like their now shining saviour of Ukrainian football. I think they're putting a lot of pressure on him. It feels like the same way in which Andrei Shevchenko was almost carrying that Ukrainian side for so many years. I'm not saying he's on his level or he's going to be close to his level yet, but they always need that figure in the side who's going to carry the nation and bring them up a little bit. And I think it'd be good for him as well because he's not been getting a massive amount of minutes under Graham Potter at Chelsea, which has been quite surprising given his price tag. Uh, So he'll definitely want to be showing his worth at Wembley when he does play. But like I say, I know everyone's going to be thinking that Ukraine are going to come into it like it's the movie 300 and everyone's really pumped up and charged. Yeah, for the first 10 minutes, England may have to ride a slight wave, but England have got so much match rhythm, so many tournaments, so many games in their boots together as a collective that I think it's going to be way too much for Ukraine. Like Marley said, Ukraine need to target Italy and that's the, no pun intended, but the Achilles heel. It's the Troy Achilles heel that they need to target uh, because England, I don't think they can be caught in this qualifying round. Given the opposition, Marley, and given the stage that we're at in the Premier League season, Joel's already said how happy it is that Luke Shaw won't be featuring in this game and he wants Bruno Fernandes to get sent off so he doesn't. Should Southgate be looking to rotate his team a little bit for this match and bring in some of those fringe players and rest the players that played against Italy? And I guess the supplementary question in that, because he probably should, but do you think he will? I'm not. I'm not completely convinced he should, to be honest, because he's England manager and his job is to win England mm. games. Like I know there's a lot of logic in, oh, you know, we'll we'll not play Harry Kane or not play. There would have been a few phone calls though to manage. There would have been a few. All right, we'll we'll play him in this game, but we'll rest him for the second in order for them not to have injuries. Yeah. Inverted yeah, and, commas. But there's not much. Like, there might be phone calls and stuff, and we all know that that, that clearly happens, but. Southgate's under no obligation to to do that. You know, he he's got to win games for England because if he if we lose to Ukraine and stuff like that, the Italy win the the Italy win is cancelled out because they catch up. Assuming they win their game on on Sunday or whenever they play, so you know then that comes back on Southgate. He needed convincing he, he was the man to do the job again. So the last thing he wants to do is go and drop mm. daft points in in qualification and put our qualification um sort of hopes on the, on the on the the line type of thing so he's not under that obligation to to do anything but probably will see it to some extent you know the the players that play a lot like Maguire will stay on obviously 100% because he ain't getting a game at the weekend no matter what he does for England Uh, you might see Walker like rested uh, because we've got four right backs in the squad probably see Reese James start 
Um, you know that there'll be there'll be a little bit of it, but like I say, I, I don't think he he owes anyone anything. You know, mm. how many times do we see it? The international squad comes out and within twenty four hours, four have pulled out with with injuries that they're hundred percent all going to play with next week. Nick Pope isn't injured. Mm. Marcus Rashford isn't injured. Uh, it's Marcus exactly. Rashford's in New York. <laughs> like, how injured can you post? Uh, you know, post a, a picture of him doing some. Tourist. I don't reckon. I reckon there's there's a different level of fitness required to go to New York and sit on a plane for four hours than play a game of international football. I reckon. I reckon there's a slight variation there. I reckon yeah, I could you see do one the, of those things. You see in the comments on Twitter, people like, "How the hell has he managed to get to New York?" I mean, they haven't decapitated his legs off during the international <laughs> break. He can still walk, you know. <laughs> we will talk about the Ukraine game on Monday. We're back with another podcast on Monday, a full podcast, and we'll pick over the bones of the match there. Whatever happens and whatever exciting results turn up in that game. But I want to finish today's podcast by talking about two legends and two milestones passed last night. International football, Lionel Messi scored his 800th goal in top-level football, which is insane. Equally insane was Cristiano Ronaldo making a record-breaking 197th appearance in men's international football, which is crazy. With these two players, we did this so much during the World Cup, and it was like, oh, Messi won the World Cup, he's the GOAT, but Ronaldo is playing this much and contributed this much and it's a constant argument and a constant conversation do you think when you look at what these two individuals are achieving actually it's time to just stop arguing about which one is the goat and just accept that we're really lucky at this stage in football to have these two supreme specimens of sportsmen playing football at the same time how very uh, on the fence of you there, Jim. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Messi's the goat, by the way. I mean, that, that's the, there's no argument. Yeah, it but. is a bit of a, you know, it's just it's something for the new generation to argue about, isn't it? Like it's you have to, mm. you know, everyone says everyone needs a dance partner to to sort of shine and stuff, and you need a rival, and you know, you're always better if you have a rival, you think of Muhammad Ali had George Foreman and, and Joe Frazier and stuff like that and it and it elevates your career and there's been footballers through it and Maradona mm. against Cruyff um, and you know, Shearer versus Amiobi and all this, all that type of stuff Yeah, same level same level um, so yeah, you know, it's it's open to debate but when you when you crunch the numbers, I mean if you stop for a minute and think about the, the numbers uh, it's it's insane it's like 800 goals in your career is madness um from you know i I always like it when you put in um you put the the stats season by season and you say like somebody like erling Haaland has scored like 40 goals this season for example but to do to catch messi he needs to do that or better for the next 15 years consistently like every year yeah you know that like that just blows your mind because I mean the 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 season where Messi scored ninety one goals in a calendar year, um I can't I think it's twenty twelve or twenty thirteen or something like that and like that's staggering ninety one goals in in a calendar year is just on another level that we've never seen and we'll probably look the difference between a Messi and a Haaland though is Haaland needs players around him he needs quality around him to score his goals whereas Messi you could put him in Accrington Stanley and he'd get a hat for it's like he doesn't yeah. need players around him necessarily to change a game yeah, that's uh, he is the, he's the catalyst the only thing you need to do is, is carry him defensively but when you're that good in attack then 
you know, you, you say, okay, fine, <laughs> I'll do, I'll do. I've heard similar things said about you at Sunday League, Marley. I've heard that's the uh, that's what they say. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> uh, if if I score, I don't run for the next five minutes. It's like right, he'll, he'll sort me out. I've, I've got some credit in the bank there, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's the difference between the two, probably. Um, but Ronaldo's done some insane things as well. You know, nearly two hundred appearances is uh, is madness, and uh, yeah, there's there's a the 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 level as well of European. Um, appearances in there in terms of like he's he's the uh leader now but i think he took it from um it was a guy who played for q8 in you know uh, 2003 and he he got his last cap last year but i feel like the the level of those teams i think number three on the list is malaysian mm-hmm. number four is ahmed hassan from egypt then it's oman uh, and then it's uh, sergio ramos at spain so the level of of talent there is is something else yeah it's the competition for places isn't it that makes it impressive because Portugal would have had some supreme players that have challenged him for his spot in the international team and he's just seen them all off and no doubt will for another three games and then I think he might can you you imagine the meltdown and the uh the Roberto Martinez hate would get if he if he said right 199 (laughs) games and you're not playing again (laughs) That's it. You're off. See you later, mate. Right, that is it for today's Football Social Daily. Go and enjoy your Friday, whatever it is you're doing. We'll be back on Monday with more football action. We'll talk about the weekend's international football. We'll no doubt get stuck back into the Premier League, which will be firing back up until the end of the season as well. If you've not subscribed to this podcast yet, make sure you do. What are you playing at? If you're on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts, there'll be a subscribe or a follow button or something along those lines. Click that and you'll never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.